Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Living on the Edge of Chaos podcast. My name is Aaron Maurer, and this is a podcast dedicated to pushing the boundaries of this thing that we call life with intentional focus on balance, education, technology, and other concepts I believe will help us find some pathways as we push our comfort zones to the edges out in the brink of chaos. And my goal with this podcast and all future episodes is to bring to light ideas, questions, people, and books that are going to spark new ideas for positive change and growth within ourselves. Woke up at six o'clock in the morning, chilling with coffee mugs, me and coffee chugs, talking education all across the nation, pushing boundaries, thinking innovation. Aaron Mauer, outside the box thinker, here to teach each and every teacher how to tinker. Living on the edge of chaos, born insane. Listening to coffee chugs like caffeine for the boring. One of the top teachers in Iowa, word is born. Here to show the world that there's more here than corn. Chaos. Hello, everyone. How you doing? This is Aaron Maurer here with another episode of Living on the Edge of Chaos podcast. Guys, I know I have said this probably every single episode, but I truly mean it with all my heart. I am super jacked for this episode and this conversation. Um, this is someone, the guest we're going to have on the show, Jamie. He's going to introduce himself here in just a minute. Uh, we were just talking before we recorded that I can't believe I haven't come across his work and, and the stuff that he's been doing sooner. Um, but the amazing thing is, with the power of the internet, that our paths have crossed. And I'm so excited to have him on the show. Um, I think for all of you listening in, this is going to be a good one. So hope you have your notepad and things ready to take some notes and, and, and see where this journey takes us. And so, Jamie, let's get into the action here. But let's start off with letting everybody know um, who you are and uh, what you do. Well, first of all, I need to hire a better marketing team or better marketing <laughs> people. If, if uh, I need to get that word out a little bit more. But, uh, you know... Uh, Jamie Beckler, uh, and uh, I was a longtime college basketball coach for about 20 years, and uh, I was even a high school administrator for a little bit. But uh, I am now a, uh, a leadership consultant. I do a podcast called Success is a Choice Podcast. I've written a couple books, and uh, I, I speak to uh, a lot of organizations, a lot of conferences. Mainly I work with sports teams. That's that's my niche but I, I certainly go in and, and work on culture with organizations outside of sports. But sports is kind of my bread and butter. And, uh, yeah, so uh, I live in Ohio, in Akron, Ohio, uh, outside of Cleveland. And so, um, yeah, just uh, happy to happy to be on with you, Aaron. Yeah, and, and there, there's so much I want to get into, especially with the idea of, of leadership and, and the things that you see and the people you, you work with and things like that. But um, our past crossed because I, I, I came across your book, The Bus, Bus Trip, um, and it was an amazing read. I, I've already pushed it on and recommended it to the, the parents of, of my youth girls basketball team and, and other people that I know can use this both in education and, and outside of it. Um, and so I, I, I want to start with this. And, and the, the question I'm posing is not because I don't think there's a need for it, but the question that I was thinking as I was prepping for this show is, is, is why a book like this? So the bus trip and the, the elevator pitch, and, and you can quickly uh, uh, interject and add more to this, is a fictional story of, of a college basketball team uh, working through the dynamics of, of teamwork and leadership and how do we handle adversity and things like this. And, and these, these, these players have these amazing, powerful conversations. Um, and I just think it's, it, it resonates well, whether you're, you're, you're a kid or an adult or a coach or a parent or educator, those types of things. But how did you 
come to the idea that this is the way to address and, and, and cover some of these topics that are in this book? Because I think it's a, a, a unique spin in terms of a fictional story. And we're, and we're seeing more and more of these types of books appear and, and, and they're working, they're, they're resonating. So I, I'm curious into your insight of like how this kind of came to be and, and, and why you chose this model um, um, to, to get these ideas out there. Yeah, when I coached, uh, these were the kind of books I liked. When I read, I like fiction. People like fiction. People like going to the movies. People like stories. Mm-hmm. And and so um, I put all that together, and I was like, hey, let's try this. I'd written uh, two nonfiction books on leadership, and I was like, you know what? Let's let's try this. It, it can be fun. I've never written fiction. My English teacher didn't necessarily think I would probably be cut out <laughs> to do this either, but let's – Let's try this and, and let's see where it goes. And uh, it was an amazing uh, experience. It was it was fun, uh, a great process. I had a lot of uh, great people behind me, uh, both coaches and current student athletes, to help me uh, through the process to advise me because I wanted it to be realistic uh, for the most part. You're never going to get something that's 100% realistic, but I wanted it to be practical, realistic, and something that a kid, a 15-year-old, a 14-year-old, a 16-year-old could could read it and they'd be like, oh, I've seen that happen. Oh, this does happen. Um, and, uh, you know, you gave a little snapshot of it. I appreciate I appreciate the kind words. You know, what I wanted to give was coaches, parents, a tool in their tool belt to help students understand how to be better teammates and more positive leaders because we don't get that all the time. We want them to be good leaders. We want a good culture, but we don't sometimes know how to do that, and we don't certainly don't intentionally uh, develop that sometimes. You know, we just kind of hope that it happens, and uh, hope is not really a good strategy. Um, and so, uh, I wanted to give this to, to coaches and, and it's essentially, you know, someone asked me, is this a, uh, based on a true story? And, and yeah, absolutely it is. It's based on 20 years of true stories, <laughs> uh, both as a, or more than 20 years. Um, you know, it's based on, uh, me as a player, it's based on me as a coach, it's based on me as an administrator and based on, on me as a consultant working with teams, you know, uh, even some stuff I put in that I worked with a team, uh, this fall. And we we actually put some stuff in there that they were going through. Uh, we we included it in the book that came out at Thanksgiving. So it was kind of a rush job or not a rush job, but we we threw it in there and I didn't have any uh, intention of doing that. So it's not just, you know, oh, it's Jamie's experience from 30 years ago. You know, what does he know now? We're still trying to stay up to date with what's going on with teams. And and, you know, when when you get with teams you know, it doesn't matter. You, it's a college basketball team, but it could be a high school team. It doesn't matter. The things that go on away from a coach can do probably more to make or break a team than what goes on in those two hours of practice or what goes on in that two hours of a game. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, there's so many things there you said that I that I, that I want to unpack. Um, and before we do that, because I one of the things that I was question, I, I I was not questioned, but I was really curious about, and then I want to dive into this concept of the leadership and some of the things you just said, um, was like your process for this book, and not like the writing piece, and not to go like full process like Tim Ferriss mode in his podcast, but this idea of as I was reading, there there, there was little nuggets or, or or little quotes or phrases that I know that that I've I've either used myself as a parent or educator or coach, and a lot of new ones that I haven't, and so as um you, you did a really great job job of, of weaving some of these concepts and some of these, these kind of quotes and ideas and, and, and 
you know, stories of we've heard of other players and athletes. And so my, my, my question for you in the process, and this is maybe more of a selfish question is like, I have a huge collection of quotes and ideas and everybody has these, you know? And so I, my, my, I was curious, like, how do you, how do you organize these? Like, because they were perfectly placed. And I know that there's, it's not just you, there is a huge team that kind of helps, you know, with you talk and network and get feedback and stuff. But like, what is that process? Because I feel like I, I think about my daughter and her, in her room and she's got quotes all over the place, but they're, they're, they're organized like a, a seventh grade girl, right? They're just randomly all over, <laughs> and, you know, and I've got like an Evernote, but I also have like a Google keep and I like, I've yet to find a system that works. Right. And so then I'm always like, Oh, I need that one quote. Like, Oh crap. Where do I have that? So I was curious, you know, because you are writing and you have the podcast and you do speaking, like what is that process? Because I think a lot of people are probably more in my boat of, yeah, I've got stuff somewhere, <laughs> but it doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't do us any good if we can't find it. Well, Aaron, I'm going to let you down <laughs> a little bit. I don't have a magic wand or a, a magic. I don't have a secret sauce to uh, a, a organization hack. Um, I have struggled with that myself in terms of you mentioned Evernote or something on Google notes or, or whatever. I don't have a secret sauce for that, but what I did was I just intentionally said, all right, I'm going to organize through the years. And it was a process, but through the years I've been, I've tried to learn as much as possible. Um, you know, I would read stuff, I collect a newspaper article back when people read newspapers. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I still have, I still have some printout, internet printouts from when I was in college back in the nineties <laughs> that cost me like 25 cents a page to print those out yeah. of some, of some articles on this new fangled webs web thing, the WWW. <laughs> but, uh, you know, what I did, uh, is I would put things on the computer and I, I purposely, I knew that one day I was going to need this. And, and as a coach, you know, you're always trying to find motivation. You're always trying to keep things fresh. And so I would just have uh, tabs or folders on my, on my computer and I would just have a Microsoft word document and I would just copy and paste, or I would type in something and I might have 50 different word documents. And, uh, I would just click on the one that's, uh, uh, losers, <laughs> you know, for what happens when you're a losing team, or I would click on mental toughness, or I would click on whatever, whatever that word document was. And I would just add that new sentence or add that new paragraph. And through the years, I just collected a lot. Um, I would literally have, uh, physical, co physical folders, manila folders, and I would put stuff in that. And, and I actually would do that. My wife would make fun of me because I'd be watching March Madness and I'd be watching it. And then at commercials, I mean, I would have 20 piles on the floor of papers mm -hmm. and I would be organizing them and putting them in these hard manila folders just during commercials. Or if it was nice outside and I had the day off, I'd go outside, get some sun and just enjoy myself. And, and as long as it wasn't windy, I'd also have these 20 piles or whatever. I'd go through this whole stack of stuff. Maybe I'd collected through the last three or four months of just articles and I would put those in uh, just folders. And it, there's nothing glamorous about that. It's just organizing stuff. And it's it's not even a great organization system, but it's what I did. And then when I write these books or when I would need something for a motivational talk or whatever, I would go find this folder mm -hmm. and look through it and be like, okay, here's some stories. Oh, here's a story I forgot about. And and then, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of stories that didn't make like my first book. My first book was nonfiction. It has a ton of stories in it. And there were some stories that didn't make that, that made it in the second book. And then there were some that, you know, make it in the third book and, sure. and so on. 
Um, but uh, yeah, nothing, nothing uh, super glamorous. No life hack, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, I mean, in, in the end is, you know, I think for anyone listening in, it's, it's just, just a great reminder that we just have to find the systems that work for us. Right. And, and there is no magic bullet. I think when we think about productivity or leadership or any of these types of things, there isn't like a, a, a one answer that's going to solve all the problems, you know. And so I think it's, you know, as you're talking, I'm thinking like, OK, yeah, maybe it's just for me. And that's one of the things I've been working on myself is like, how do I at least move it all into one system? Like now that I have these pockets of stuff, do, how do I, you know, either move it all to a Word document or all to an Evernote? No, at least just have it in a location as, as as my next phase. So I was just curious because I always think it's interesting, like the, the process of, of how people organize and, and sort. And I just saw a thing with like Coach K, um, I, I think with, with Jay Billis over the weekend, and he still he was carrying a, a Manila folder. And, and Jay's like, haven't you moved to the internet? He's like, this works for me. And he he likes the handwritten notes. And so you know whatever works, you you go with it. So um, yeah, I appreciate you sharing some of that, and you that can- insight. And you can have both too. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be one or the other because, you know, I, I might photocopy, let's say there's a chapter in a book that I really wanted. Um, and, 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 and sometimes I get rid of books, I'll give books away or, or whatever, you know, you, you buy thousands of them throughout the years yeah. and you, you have your wife wants you to get rid of them. Yep. <laughs> and, and so there might be a whole chapter that was an amazing chapter. So I might photocopy that. Whereas the next chapter, there might be two paragraphs that were really good. I might type those into my Word documents um, or type those on the computer. So I still have both. Um, I just, you know, do what I need to do. And and one of the biggest things, though, like I said, was I, I would do a lot of this organizing when I was doing something else. Mm. So I know there's there's debate out there about multitasking and how efficient it actually is. But if you're really doing a mindless thing like watching a game – watching, you know, a football game on a Sunday afternoon or watching March Madness, that's kind of mindless. Yeah. And organizing stuff is kind of mindless. So I, I don't know any of the studies on all of that stuff, but I do know if you put two mindless things together, um, it seems to me that uh, that you're not being efficient or unefficient. It right. just, it's just, <laughs> you know, I don't know. That's it's no study behind that, but right. no research. But uh, I feel like the multitasking thing, you can multitask when neither thing is really that that uh, important from a mind standpoint. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so as, as we segue back to this idea of, of leadership, um, because this is really what, what I wanted to talk talk to you about here, um, you know, we could probably talk process all day, which would be fun, but I'm sure not everybody wants to necessarily hear that. Um, you know, one of the things that you said early on when we were just, we were talking that, you know, hope is not a strategy. And as, as you were saying that, it made me instantly think about some of the work that I'm doing, even with, with my youth sports team, but I, I think about it too, working with adults and, and the stuff that I'm doing is, you know, um, in the idea and, and I'm going to frame this up and you can run with it however you want is like this idea of leadership. And I feel like we are in a society where everything is so scripted. So I look at like youth, um, take youth sports and there is always an adult that's telling them what to do, the drill to do. Like they don't go out and play anymore. And like, they don't just go out to the park and, and play pickup basketball without adults. And just to me, that's where I feel like basketball players develop in the, in the realm of basketball is just playing like, and not always being told move here, screen here, do this type of thing. I think about it with adults and, and their hands are constantly being held more and more and more to either whether it's in a business and, and, and you're a cog in a system or, you know, of an educator in a classroom where they know what the kids need, but their hands are still tied by, by, by standardized tests and measures and things like that. Like, and, and then we turn around and go, but we need you to be a leader. 
but we've never given the space for people to actually lead. Um, and so um, I'm interested in your thoughts on that, or you can frame it up in the other way. Maybe it's, it's one of the, the mistakes that, that leaders make, because I think in the end, whether it's a, a coach coaching youth or uh, a principal of a building or a CEO of a company, you know, there are things that I don't think people do on purpose, but unintentionally, like, prevent people from actually being the leaders that we are hoping and expecting them to all be. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there, but I, I think I think that's very perceptive, what you said. I, I think uh, I think you're spot on, um, but there's a number of mistakes within that <clears throat> that positional leaders make. And, and one is maybe we want our people to be leaders themselves. We want them to go out and do things on their own, but we don't equip them and we don't enhance them or enrich them. We don't add value to them and prepare them for when we do empower them. You can't empower someone if you haven't equipped them and haven't given them the tools. The other thing is we, we don't give people that power and we want complicit, compliant followers and that's really all we want. And as a, as a, tr- as a good leader, a good leader really shouldn't be you know, wanting good followers. They should wanna be developing good leaders other leaders, the more leaders you have. And that's kind of what this book was about, uh, you know, bringing it back around to the book, but, but, uh, um, hashtag self promotion, shame (laughs) on self, but, but, you know, a coach can only do so much and a teacher can only do so much and a, and a manager can only do so much. What happens in that break room, what happens at lunchtime, what happens around that water cooler is more important to that company probably than than that fancy sign that a manager puts up on the wall. Same with a coach. They can they can have the greatest practice in the world and the greatest signs in their locker room, but what goes on in the back of the bus, what goes on in the bus uh, the the car ride home with the parents, what goes on in the locker room, or uh, locker room, the the cafeteria, the dorm room, those things make or break your culture even more. And so what are we doing to equip, to empower, to enrich our, our people that are around us? And a lot of times we don't do that intentionally, uh, you know, and, and your culture is going to be a lot of times what you allow or what you emphasize and, and enforce and reinforce. And so, you know, on a sports team, let's say there's going to be issues throughout the year. There's, it doesn't matter how good that team is. They could be undefeated. They're going to have some issues. There's going to be some drama. Now there might be less drama, less issues, but there's still going to be that, that issue. Essentially what I say, like a metaphorical, like a fire, uh, a fire in your locker room, there's going to be a fire. And are you equipping your players with fire extinguishers or with lighter fluid? Are they able to put out those fires or are they just going to let it get bigger? And that's what we wanted to do in this book was, all right, there's fires on this team. There's little issues going on, maybe um, above the surface or below the surface, but there's issues. And how can they be dealt with on a team? And, you know, in this book, there's a lot of conversations that happen and a lot of accountability that the players are uh, showing, that they're holding each other accountable. But every single situation you'll find, if you think about this, Aaron, is that every single situation, it was a roommate or a friend. Like, they were a friend. There yeah. was there was a strong connection there. It was never, all right, I don't like this person or I don't know this person, you know, trying to hold someone accountable. It was always a friend. And that's where, going back to this leadership thing, 
one of the biggest mistakes I think people make in general with leadership is they have the wrong definition of leadership. They think of leadership or a a wrong perspective. Their perspective is leadership is only positional. Leadership is only about titles or authority or flowcharts type thing. Leadership can be two freshmen who never play leading each other to do the right thing. And so there's two players on this team that are doing what they're supposed to do. Leadership could be that freshman that doesn't play, but is good friends with a junior who plays all the time. And that freshman, um, keeps that junior, you know, focused the right way or, Hey, you know, don't bad mouth this other player. Leadership is just influence, influencing somebody else. And everybody has influence to some degree. And, uh, now you're going to have more influence over those people that you're close to. But, uh, I think if we start thinking about leadership in terms of influence, I think we get a lot farther when we are positional leaders because positional leadership, if I'm a coach or a teacher, I say, all right, if I can train up these 15 or 30 people to be better influencers, to become a person of influence, then all of a sudden our team can maybe go farther uh, and, and progress quicker than otherwise, you know, instead of just focusing on these three captains or I'm in charge. Yeah, you might be in charge and you have to teach them how to be in, how to be a leader. But, man, it's going to be so worth it because it's now multiplication takes place. Yeah. Now, now this is a ripple effect. It's like a domino, um, you know, one person influencing another person who influences another person. And before you know it, your whole team is going the right direction and you have a good culture. Yeah, I mean that was one of the things too from from the book when I when when I was reading it I kept thinking like how wonderful would it be not to say in the book of of the losing record that the coach had but to have players that are like truly having these conversations and then I was thinking at like like like, like a deeper level like as a leader whether it's a coach or a teacher or an administrator whatever your your, your leadership position title is and whole people listening in realize like the the title is really irrelevant you, you can be a, a paraeducator classroom teacher bus driver it doesn't matter and i think one of the things you you showcase in the book is like there are all these people showing moments of leadership whether it was the bus driver or the manager or you know all these people are, are, are leaders in, in some capacity which i thought was was really powerful but like how do we as the leader plant these seeds for these conversations to take place, whether it's it's with students, you know, in the dorm or, or on the bus, or I'm thinking about uh, a school, you know, the, the, the teacher lounge, you know, there's always these kind of like <laughs> stories, right? Like avoid the teacher lounge because it's so negative, but like it doesn't have to be that way. Like a teacher lounge could also be the place of inspiration and and also carbs and chocolate, but like it doesn't have to be this this portal of, of, of darkness. And so, like, if, if you've talked with schools and you've worked with businesses and teams and things like that, like, what have you seen or, or what are things that you know you could do to kind of plant that seed? You can't control it all, but like, you can start to plant those elements, right? Because that's when the influence takes place. It's it's me, you know, you and I are teammates, and and my heads in. In, in, in the wrong space and, and you nudge me in a different direction like I'm going to resonate and connect with you because we have a we have a relation you know and then that then that goes into the next teammate whoever I talk to but like it has to germinate somewhere and we all have to take some sort of self-control and responsibility for our actions but you know there are times if, if the culture isn't there like that's why the teacher line becomes negative you know that's why all of a sudden you know everybody wants to sit there and constantly travel to another school because they don't like what they see as opposed to like trying to work through the solution i mean we see these stories permeate time and time again so like what is it that you see or you suggest or what has worked because i think 
to me, that was like the big thing when I was reading this book is like, how do we get people to have these conversations to influence one another so that the culture does blossom as opposed to die? Well, that's my next book, Portal of Darkness. <laughs> there you Tales go. from the Teacher's Lounge. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you bring up a great point, Aaron. And and the very first step in all this is as the positional leader. So as the coach, as the teacher, as the manager, supervisor, you have to decide for yourself, this is something that's important to me. I want to do this. Instead of just giving it lip service, you will have to decide internally that this is what you want to do. Simon Sinek talks about know your why. Everything starts with your why. What's most important to you? And, and, and if you're really concerned about students, um, and a lot of your listeners are educators in some way, if you're really concerned about students and the next generation of leaders in our community, then this should be a no-brainer for you, that this is something that you're going to dive into and you're going to make this an emphasis. Not test scores, not wins and losses, not any of these necessarily tangible, measurable things, but the things that really matter. Now, once you decide, that, all right, this is what I want to do, now you have to go about all right, identifying people. Who are the people on the team that I can influence the most? Because not every coach and teacher is going to be able to influence everybody the same. Right. And you're not going to be able to influence your, you know, 30 people in your class all the same, all at the same time. Um, so it might just be one or two people at a time, but you got to look at that. And what kind of relationship do you have? You know, we see it all the time. A coach, a coach will yell at a player. And in fact, there's a thing in the book about a coach just ripping into a player and the player takes it. Not because the coach is necessarily right or treats them right, but because they had developed a relationship, a connection. If you want to have tough love, you have to have a strong bond. And so a lot of times as teachers, parents, coaches, we don't do that. We don't, we don't, we, we want the tough love, but we forget that we actually have to have the love part. We actually have to connect with them and they actually have to know that we love them and know that, that we care about them. It's not just enough that we care. They have to know it. And so you have to have all this, but then you have to show these players what true behavior looks like what the behavior is that you're expecting and you have to live that out you have to show it you have to be on the lookout for examples that that you can show um your players on how to act and be proactive do it before you have an issue now you're going to have issues we already talked about that but there's going to be certain things every single coach listening to this and every single teacher listening to this could write down on a legal pad probably 10 things that they know for a fact 100% guaranteed will happen this upcoming year or this upcoming season you know that these 10 things are going to happen okay what can you do to minimize those things you can't eliminate them but what can you do to minimize them or to nip them in the bud ahead of time and that's something that I don't think we do a lot of times is is you know it's almost like we're we're surprised um you know, at the rain when there's storm clouds, you know, we know that there's going to be storm clouds and we know the rain's going to come so we can get our umbrella. We can be ready for it and be prepared for that. And so, yeah, in this book, you know, yes, is this the ideal situation? Yes, it is. You know, you're not always going to have players or team members that are saying exactly the right thing at exactly the right time. <laughs> you're not going to have that. 
but the but if you know where you want to end up, if you know where you want to get, now you can reverse engineer that. Now you can kind of train and equip your people to understand how to get there, or at least your key people, how to get there. And and my hope was that, you know what, a, a, a parent or a coach gets this book, they give it to their kid, and their kid reads it and understands, oh, I've been in that situation before. I completely handled it differently. I said I said or didn't say these things. Um, you know, I could have said something different. I could have done something different. I didn't know what I could have said. And so, you know what? I'm not, I'm not perfect. Um, I don't have every single answer, but I felt like I had some answers that I could help some coaches. Uh, here, here's a book. Um, you know, and this, this is a terrible tangent, but <laughs> my parents, my parents never had the birds and the bees talk with me. They never sat me down and talked. They gave me a book yep. with, with pictures. Um, so that was fun. Yeah, but, yep. but they gave me a book that explained it better than probably they could have explained it. Um, or at least they felt more comfortable with that. Maybe this book can be a tool or a resource that a kid sees what they go through all the time. They, they see situations and they see the way to explain it to a friend. They see a way, or maybe they're the ones that's always late to practice. Maybe they're the ones that are always making excuses and something speaks to them. And, uh, you know, there's all kinds of stories in the book, you know, the dream team, the Michael Jordan dream team, you know, speaks to some kids that are late all the time. You know, there's some other things that go on and you use stories. We're given stories every day on ESPN or on CNN or Fox or whatever. We're given stories all the time that we can use. Um, I had a coach uh, a couple of years ago ask me uh, at a conference, you know, I've got this kid that's really good, really tall, should be better, but he just doesn't care enough. I said, well, what does he care about? He goes, this, this Fortnite game. <laughs> I said, Okay. All right, I don't know anything about Fortnite. Do you know anything about Fortnite? He goes, no. I said, okay, but he's got – you don't have to love Fortnite and you don't have to get into Fortnite, but you've got to show that you care about – that he cares about Fortnite. Yeah. You don't even have to care about Fortnite. I said, I can guarantee you, and I have no idea who it is, but I can guarantee you there is some athlete out there that likes playing Fortnite. Right. There's a lot of athletes probably. Yeah, yeah. But there's probably a basketball player that likes Fortnite. Find out who that basketball player is and find a time when you can mention that to him or print off a one-page article about this guy liking Fortnite or this player liking Fortnite. It doesn't make you best friends, and it doesn't make this kid motivated to play basketball right away, but what it does is it begins to break down barriers. It begins to show that kid that you care about what he cares about. Yeah. Um, and, and then, you know, so, so I say that because there's things like this in every one of your players, every one of your students, every one of your employees. There's things like this that they care about that you can show that you care about what – care about them caring about something. Yeah. No, I love that. I think you, you hit on so many key points. One of the things that, you know, just 
that a whole idea of Fortnite is like we just have to let people know that we notice them. Um, and that's one of the things I talk a lot about with students and teachers is it doesn't have to be warm fuzzies and these like fake positive <laughs> things. It doesn't have to be negative, but humans just need to know that they're noticed. And so how are we doing that? You know, like the small things that we've heard a million times that, that we forget about, like when you see someone, like say them by their name. It just happened this morning. My youngest, she's eight years old. She's been, and we have this whole car transportation, get all our kids to school. Um, and she's been begging me to take her through through Starbucks. And I'm like, okay, today's one of those days. It's cold. I'm tired. I got my coffee and whatever. And the and the, the lady, the girl was handing me the coffee. She's like, hey, have a good day, Aaron. And my daughter was like, how does she know you? And I was like, she doesn't. I mean, when I scanned my app, there's my name. You know, I was like, that little <laughs> tiny gesture triggered something in her brain. And we had this like weird, powerful conversation with my eight year old daughter, right? And I was like, and I said, thank you back. You know. Crystal was her name, just because I saw her name tag, and I was telling I mean, my daughter, like, you know, it's, it's, it makes you feel good when someone recognizes you or notices you, and not recognition for the sake of recognition, but just the idea that she said my name, she just could have been like, hey, have a good day. You know, that just feel like you're going through the motion, but she said my name, even though it's printed on the cup, you know, like there's nothing more to it than that, but it completely changed the dialogue, you know, and then I was like, hey, you know what, you have a great day too, and the fact that my eight-year-old picked up on that, I think, speaks volumes to what we need more of, and that's just that, that those little notices, you know, that we don't, you'll see the same thing when coaching, like, talk to the players, say it by their name, you know, Addie, I really like this move, or, or Brooklyn, great job with this, and it's the same thing when working with adults, and I just, you know, as, as you were talking, I was thinking, like, it's just a good reminder, we need to do more of that, that more intentional work of just acknowledging people, you know, and say, hey, yeah. this basketball player is playing Fortnite, like, I'm acknowledging you, I'm acknowledging you that you're important to me beyond what you do for me on a basketball court, and I think that's something that's important, too, that it's not just, I care about you because, you're a basketball player or I care about you because you're my kid's teacher, but like we care about you because you're a person and then, Hey, you know, here's someone with Fortnite, just like you said, um, I think is, 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 is really good. Um, well, inher- well, inherently, I mean, you're, you're spot on Aaron and inherently we all want that. Mm. We, we all want that. And, and you look at, we all want acceptance and we all want praise. We all want acknowledgement and even the hardest core person that we would ever deal with wants that. That's yeah. why people – that's one of the reasons people join gangs. Yeah. Some of the hard, most hardened criminals, they join gangs because they want to be accepted by somebody. Yes. Um, without going into too much psycholo- you know, sociology and psychology, but they want to be accepted. And so as a positional leader, if you go about – that mindset of understanding that then all of a sudden you might be further ahead of the game of making these connections with people, which leads to more influence. You don't necessarily have great influence just because you're in uh, a position. You know, you get compliance, but you don't necessarily have influence and respect. But uh, there was this book. It was a soccer book, but I read it uh, against my will years and years ago. (laughs) But it was called Catch Them Being Good, and it was by a psychologist, Colleen Hacker, and a U.S. Uh, national team coach, Tony DiCicco. But Catch Them Being Good, and the whole premise of the book was find reasons to add value to people and to catch them being good because they want to be praised. They want to be acknowledged. And uh, I think back, I was in seventh grade, and I had this uh, friend named Bill, and Bill was a screw-up. Bill always messed her up bad grades, always in trouble. But Bill was my friend. We played GI Joes together and football together. And yeah, but we had this group project in seventh grade, he and I, and he actually worked hard at it and we did a great job. Well, when we turned it in, we got the grades back. I got an A and Bill got an F. 
And I'll never forget the teacher saying, Bill, I know that there's no way you did this work because Jamie's a good student and you're not. And you had to have cheated or used him to do all the work. Mm. And I'll never forget that because it was unfair. And now a seventh grader, though, I didn't speak up because I was intimidated. But okay, fast forward five years later and Bill kills a couple people uh, in cold blood, goes away, life sentence. Now, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that if he got an A like he deserved, that all of a sudden he's not going to kill people. But I do know for 100% certainty that there was one time at least in Bill's life that a teacher or an authority figure had a chance to catch him being good. Yeah. And yeah. they failed to do that. Yeah. And, and, I, and I'm not saying that that teacher was a terrible person for not – you know, he, he essentially did like most of us do. We paint with a broad brush and we don't give people – Second and third chances. Yeah, um, we assume uh, the worst in people sometimes like that. <laughs> right, right. And, but but he had a chance one time to catch someone being good, and and I think a lot of your listeners they get to deal with youth, and are they catching people being good and and being specific about that too? Not just you know, like the cheerleaders cheering at the end of a game, you know, when they're down fifty points, still saying we're number one. You know, we're going to win. That's false. That's fake cheering. That's fake enthusiasm. But say, hey, I know you can do this because I saw you do this last week or I saw you do that. Remember last year when you did this or remember when you had that project or remember in that game or that practice, you know, be specific about it. And then all of a sudden, one, you're noticing that. But two, you're you're giving them confidence. You're saying, I know you can do it because of a real reason, not just because, oh, I'm the coach and I'm going to clap it up. Yeah. Well, it, it resonates, you know, kind of full circle back when you're talking about that idea of tough love and, and, and something I was writing down is when you're talking about that, which goes right to that specific kind of like notice and acknowledgement is, you know, um, you have to have the love first. And I, and I take it to another step because I think whether we're, I'm looking at it through a parent lens myself with my three children, I'm looking at it through a coach who has an opportunity to shape and mold a, a group of amazing seventh grade girls. Um, and I've coached my son's team and I got my third grade daughter's team. And I, you have opportunities every day to make a positive imprint. And you may not always realize that w- what your words or actions are going to do for someone until down the road, you know, just like you're talking about with, 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 with your friend in seventh grade. That isn't going to prevent maybe the decision he makes down the road, but it could have opened up a pathway um, for him to trust authority, trust adults, and maybe start to think like, oh, someone does notice my work. Maybe I should try again. You never know. But we know that all of a sudden you can easily paint someone into a, a corner if we're not careful. But something that I, that, that keeps coming back to the, to me as, as you're talking is this idea of that, that idea of love. And I, and I don't think anyone goes, oh, I don't love them or I don't care about them. But we sometimes assume that we think they know that. I, you know, I assume that my players know how much I care about them. I assume that my children know how much I love them. You know, I assume my wife knows how much I can't survive on this planet without her. Like all these things, right? And, 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 and a classroom teacher. Yeah, my kids know I care about them, but do they really? And like having that conversation of opening it, like, do you truly know? And it, because I think we don't go and go, I- I'm not going to show that. But we lead to like that tough love piece. And like, we have to really make sure that they know. Because just because I say it doesn't necessarily mean that they're buying into it. You know, actions speak louder than words and any other little phrase or quote we want to use. And so I keep coming back to this thing as you're talking, right? Like, we have to like 
make sure in our position of leadership that the people we're working with truly believe and feel that we love them. So when it does come to tough conversations and tough decisions, they know that we're in it together, you know, and I just think, you know, what can we do? And not that you have to answer this. I'm just kind of reflecting here on Mm -hmm. your thoughts. Like what are we doing to make sure that we know that they know that we're all in it together, (laughs) you know, and not just assume because it's easy to go. Yeah. You know, I tell my kids, yeah, I love you. But then, you know, do they truly know that I do, you know, and what are my actions to support those words, I guess is, you know, I'm just kind of verbally vomiting ideas here right now. But like it just it's it, it's really resonating, you know, I'm thinking about the book and the work that you do and just this conversation, like something for all of us to process, you know, of truly let's make sure that we're acknowledging, we're letting people know that, that, that we care about them because that will eliminate 90% of problems. I always say 99% of problems in any organization is just because of lack of communication, you know, and just what are we doing there? Well, it's lack of communication and lack of connection, which True. which are very closely related. Yeah, uh, they are a little bit different, but but closely related. And uh, yeah, what did I do today at practice to to demonstrate my love and concern for my players? What did I do as a teacher today in the classroom to demonstrate that? Um, not going off of that assumption that they know. You know, what did I do as a husband today? Now. You know, you're trying to make me feel guilty. They're dropping that. But yeah, I mean, I love my wife. I mean, shoot, I love her a great deal. I mean, I had great vows at our wedding. I mean, I told her I would love her and I tell her every day I love her. But, you know, when I don't pick up my socks, when I don't get up off the couch to greet her when she comes in the door after work or, you know, when I don't clean the dishes or when I don't do what I say I'm going to do, you know, that's speaking a whole lot more than those vows Mm. Or the, the one little time I say, I love you, right. you know, right. um, you know, so, and that's the same way with our players, you know, what are we doing? Are we, are, are, how are we treating them? What are we, what's our communication like with them? You know, and, and not just verbal, but nonverbal, nonverbal communication, because we can say the right things, but then we can, you know, our body betrays us or we might say too much and we're not ever listening to them. You know, and all they need is someone to listen to or someone they don't feel like they're being understood. So all that kind of stuff goes into that. Yeah, I think you're right, Aaron. Yeah. And I know, you know, I know we're we're, we're approaching a little bit of our, our time here together, but I, I do want to expand a little bit into some of your other work beyond just the book here, too, because I think it all it all it's all full circle with, with what we're talking about today. I mean, you have a podcast success with a choice. You're, you're speaking to a lot of schools and teams and, and businesses about this idea of championship cultures, you know, and, and even what we're talking about today. Right. Like these are things, regardless of what you do, these are all things that we can apply just to be good human beings. At the end of the day, we just need to be good human beings. Right. And if, if we can all play a part in just being a good human, like things will naturally naturally take care of themselves. But as you're working through and you, and your podcast I've been going through now and kind of back listening now that I've I've, I've unearthed this like whole gem of a, of a podcast, right? And and you're speaking with these guests and, and you're getting lots of insights. I mean, this is why I do the podcast too. We were just talking before the recording like selfishly like I get to learn, I get to speak, you know, and ask the questions that that you know, we were just talking about. We get to ask the questions we want to talk to the guests about. As as you're looking through that lens and and getting out and speaking with people like what are these things that we can that you're learning from others about about improving our life or improving leadership or creating these these championship cultures, which you know goes through a lot of the work that you do. Like like what's going on? What are you seeing in those you know beyond 
the book the bus trip which people need to check out but they also need to know you, you do lots of other stuff that are you know feed the book that feed the ideas and you know and it's all this constantly this, this being a uh, lifelong learner well it's a big world out there and i know that that seems like an obvious thing but but we we tend to only see our tree and not the whole forest mm. we we tend to just we we tend to get so narrow narrow in our focus um, which sometimes we want to be certainly focused, laser-like focus. But when it comes to our understanding of the way things work, the way people work, uh, we are we are too small sometimes in our thinking. And so I love listening to people from different walks of life. You know, I've had pastors, coaches, athletes, entertainers, poker players, uh, business people uh, on the show, and you can learn lessons from all of them. And you understand that there's so much more out there and there's so many more perspectives out there. There's so many more ways of doing things that, you know, the, the, the old cliche, there's many ways to skin a cat. Why anyone would want to skin a cat or where that came <laughs> from, I don't know. But, but even as a coach, I mean, you look at, I mean, not even as a coach, but as a sports fan. How many, how many times do we see people win a football game or a championship or a basketball championship doing it a different way than the team the year before did it? Like there's lots of ways to do things, um, but some of the principles stay the same. You know, you have to have a vision that's that's intentional, that's well thought out. Uh, you kind of have to work backwards, reverse reverse engineer it. You know, where do I want to be? Where do I want to end up? And how am I going to get there? And then and then work at it that way. Um, you, you you can't be a kite or a tumbleweed where whichever way the wind blows, that's which way you go. If you're constantly changing your what's most important or your core values, then you're never really going to get anywhere. You're just going to be spinning your wheels. And so that's why you have to have that strong vision, but intentionally think out that vision, what's the most important. But, you know, I, I love listening to these people and, and hearing their stories, their journeys about mistakes that they've made and how they fail forward, how they learn from those mistakes. Um, you know, and it propels them, you know, maybe to just uh, a greater success, greater fulfillment in life or more millions of dollars, you know, and whatever it is. But, uh, um, you know, I'm not passing judgment on what people view as successful, but everybody that I have on the show, they feel like they've achieved some sort of success and others have felt like they've achieved some sort of success. And I want to find out what got them to this point. And almost all of them, they're not content with where they're at. So either they want to become a better person, you know, a better human, uh, and, and continue to do that, or they want to be a better business person or to write another book, to be a better author, whatever it is, they're not satisfied with where they're at. They always know that there's something that they can do better. Um, now I, I have a personal preference for those people that are, adding significance and adding value to other people's lives, not just adding to their own bank account. Right. You know, those people that are really doing things to help others, you know, that that's my own personal preference because I think at the end of the day, that's, that's, you know, you know, what kind of legacy are we leaving? What kind of, uh, you know, the next generation, is it better off because of us or are the people around us better off because they knew us and that kind of stuff. So I, I always love listening to those guests. Yeah. And, you know, and, and when you when you dive into those stories, too, you know, kind of touching back on, on things that we've been talking about this, this whole conversation is a lot of times somebody saw something in them, whether they realize it at the time or not. You know, and I it kind of 
gets me thinking back to even even like, like your friend, right? Like someone saw something, someone challenged them to be a better version of themselves, and and they they started to believe in in that narrative. You know, very often it's not that someone just wakes up and goes, "Yep, I know what I, I'm going to be successful, and I don't need any help." Like usually, someone has to kind of that mentor, that guy, that kind of Obi Wan Kenobi type person. Not that it has to be so grandiose like that, but there's there's, there's usually someone that has nudges you you know to kind of take that leap forward and then they run with it and take it to a whole new level you know and this kind of it's, it's like this this positive domino effect that once they do that like their story their narrative can help propel someone else and you know and that's really what I, what, what you know I think about you know I had a story in seventh grade not as drastic as yours but I had a, a seventh grade social studies teacher uh, Mr. Randolph who later became my freshman coach and I and he was the reason I got into education and coaching and he would stand outside his classroom every day and he would shake every single student hand that walked into the classroom. And he would tell you, like, I love you. And I remember being a seventh grade boy. We were like, oh, God, this guy. Yeah. You know, like all the kind of dumb seventh grade boy mentality that you would have. Like, this guy. <laughs> but, like, but, but on a subconscious level, it was resonating with me because I knew in seventh grade that I was going to be a teacher. And I'd never thought another occupation. Like, I was like, I want to be like that. And when I got older and he had me as a coach, like, I knew that he cared. You know, he said it and his actions worked with it. You know, and it's all those things that, you know, he, he never had an opportunity to, for me to relay that on because unfortunately he had a heart attack and, and passed away, you know. Mm-hmm. And I remember what, what, what came full circle to me was this, was um, my freshman year of, of playing college basketball. I, I moved from Indiana to Iowa and played this small college. You know, I was nothing, nothing to write home about, but I had an opportunity to have my college paid for and, and whatnot. And I was playing, I don't remember where I was playing, and I look in the crowd and he's there. And so this whole idea of going all the way back to seventh grade, shaking my hand, saying that he loved me and all the other students, you know, like it wasn't just going through the motions because he didn't have to get up and go drive four or five hours to watch, you know, podunk Aaron Maurer play in a podunk low level college basketball game, you know, like it is, you know, and, and, but yet there he was. And to me, it was like, that's what it's about. Like it resonated in a way that I was like, this is why I have to continue to do this work, you know? And, and that was the thing is I'd never had that chance to say thank you. Cause I didn't do it at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, you think people are going to live forever and they don't, yeah. you know? And, and so, and you know, as I'm thinking through that, you know, it kind of triggered that story and kind of some of those as you're, you've been sharing today. And so I appreciate you uh, opening up some insights because it kind of brought me back down memory lane of, of some of these things that, you know, has helped me get to where I am and hopefully, you know, where I want to want to get to in my life. And so, you know, our, our actions speak louder than words and, you know, letting people know that we care about them is, is huge, which comes mm-hmm. back to the idea of influence. And, and if we can plant that seed and, you know, things will, 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 will spread and go. Um, but well, as we, ultimately, yeah, go ultimately, I mean, ultimately, and, and, and even the people that their why or their, what they want to do is they just want to win ball games or they just want to look good as a teacher because they have all these A's or these high test scores. Even if that is the case, you still need these people, even at a, a bad Machiavellian level, yeah. you still need people to perform and you still yeah. need people to buy what you're selling. Yeah. Now, I don't think that that's the right way to approach it, but even at that, even at that surface level, we're all salespeople. You know, everybody is a salesperson, whether it's me trying to sell my kid to go to bed on time or, you know, to eat his vegetables or trying to sell some kid in the back of the classroom that they need to pay attention. We're selling something all the time and people aren't going to buy unless they know, like and trust us. 
And so somehow we've got to figure out how they can know, like, and trust us. And if I'm somebody that only wants to win games, well, then by golly, I better figure out how they can buy what I'm selling. Yeah. And, and you know what? If we're only focused on those five starters in basketball, well, what happens when someone gets hurt? What happens when there's a foul trouble and I haven't bought in or I haven't connected with the eighth man on the team or that kid that's always by the water cooler goofing around? You know, so you've got to think about these things. And too many of us don't think about that. We are salespeople. Now, some of us are genuine and some of us are, are you know, used car salesmen. Sorry if, yeah, if, yeah. if that offends people. <laughs> but, you know, the, the stereotype of the used car salesman. Sure. But we they have to know, like and trust us if they're going to buy what we're selling. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 100 percent. And it's not always the people that, are, that we're directly in contact with. It's, it's, it's those around. I mean, I think about say you're a, a college coach or you're a varsity coach and, and what are you doing? So, um, you know, people are, are drinking the Kool-Aid, so to speak, for those that aren't in your program, for that, that, that freshman player, that, that, that middle school player, that elementary kid that, you know, needs to know who you are and what you believe in. And it can be something as saying, hey, how you doing in the grocery store? Like these things don't have to be huge, but they have, people have to know um, that they're part of something, you know, coming back to what you said. And it's the same thing in, in, in education. Like you've got to let the people know that they're important, that their work matters, that they are part of an ecosystem that without their work, you know, the success can't be there without them. Um, no matter how they go about doing that, you know, take the, the ego driven one with, with test scores and things like that. At least they're driven, you know, and, and they, they're not saying, they're just being like I the I don't care I'm just here to collect a check you know even if it's not maybe the right we don't agree with the goals at least they're working hard to achieve whatever those goals are it's better than nothing you know and I guess in, in some in some of these these uh, instances and so you know as, as, as we wrap this up Jamie is there anything that that we didn't cover you know any other we've covered a lot of nuggets and wisdom I got all sorts of notes scribbled here this has been a, such a powerful conversation I know for me personally but is there anything else that that you want to uh, to cover why we have have some time here left um, that we didn't address that you want to make sure the listeners, um, you know, can have a little bit more in their brain capacity to understand here. I don't know if there's any more nuggets <laughs> to add, uh, but but I do want to say, I mean, I want to encourage the people that are listening because I, I know you have people that are influential, people that, uh, and not influential like you're the president of a, of a company or president of the United States, but influential because you have a, a platform, a position that, that, you know, people could respect you and you have opportunities and responsibilities. And I want to encourage you that that's so worth it. And I want to encourage you, you know, thank you for, for what you do for students, for the people around you, because ultimately the people we're dealing with now, they might be a 15 year old punk, you know, and we, we might just shake our heads and bang our head against the wall sometimes, but those 15 year old punks grow up to be business owners, mayors, mothers, fathers, uh, husbands and wives in our community. And, and who is going to teach them, you know, who is going to equip them and, and add value in their life and catch them being good if we're not doing that. And so, uh, I just encourage you to keep doing what you're doing. And if you're not doing it right, then, uh, then have a little come to Jesus meeting and, uh, get, get right, you know, because, (laughs) because that's our future, you know, um, you know, and I know that kind of goes deep, but, but if you start thinking of that little 14-year-old, you know, window licker or that, you know, that, that kid in the corner of the room that <laughs> seems to not be paying attention whatsoever or that gives you problems all the time, 
well, they're our future in our community. And what do you want them to be when they're 25 and 35 years old? How do you want them to be in our community? And so if you think of them that way, you know, then that might inspire you and motivate you to, to keep going. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's, it's, it's a great responsibility to see someone, you know, to, to coach someone up and have them go from where they are now to where they'll be one day. That's, that's awesome to see that. And so, uh, they might not thank you. You might not get that gratitude right now, but it's so worth it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Jamie, I can't thank you enough. I mean, you've given us so much to think about. Um, I'm so happy and excited that our paths have crossed. Um, I mean, the work that you're doing through your books, through your speaking, through your podcast, um, you know, the impact that you're having, it's, 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 it's so good that we have people like you sharing these messages, sharing these ideas, reminding ourselves and, and others around us of, of, you know, just to be a good person and, and, and to do the right thing at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's the golden rule in many of these things, but we need these constant reminders because we can easily get caught up in the cycle of neg- negativity. We can easily get caught up in, in not looking at the tiny little things that make huge impacts you know it's easy to get consumed in just the daily nuances of 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 life and so um the work that you're doing the message that you're sharing you know um i can't thank you enough and i know there's there's plenty of others who are are so appreciative of of your work and and i know i'll get links to your podcast and things like that in the show notes but for those that are in their car and things like that um jamie if people wanted to learn more about you reach out get get to know more about your work and what you do and your books and those things like that where's the best place for them to uh track you down and uh add you to their to their network yeah the best place is just everything can be found at coach beckler and that's B-E-C-H-L-E-R. So it looks like Bachelor, but CoachBeckler.com. And uh, they can get all the social media links, all the books. The podcast is there as well and our articles that we write each week. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the show. We'll get all those links down to the show notes. And anyone listening in, um, you'd be a fool not to get to that website. <laughs> Check those things out and, and add it to your network because it's a, a positive voice. It's positive work. And if nothing else, if you start your day with some of these things, you're starting off on the right foot with the right per, per, percep- perception to go forth and definitely make that difference in, in the life that we have an opportunity to impact every day. So, Jamie, thank you so much for your time. I, I greatly appreciate it. And I know the listeners do as well. Thanks, Aaron. Enjoyed it.